Hello and welcome back to AFL by Dummies, and let's discuss the weekend that was. Now, there was obviously no games on the weekend. However, Alex and I have concocted together a buy-round special featuring some of the finest work in the country, if I may say so myself. This is going to be a shambles. Get excited. <laughs> yeah. It, Alex and I have put together some skits, you could almost call it, that we've come up with across the season, and we've just put them together for a buy-round special to keep you entertained in the week where there's no footy whatsoever. Speaking of which, what do you think of the buy-round, Alex? I actually quite like it. Um, I, I like building the anticipation up towards the finals. I think the finals is a really big deal. And it's great that I'm going to be so excited for Thursday night. That match is going to be epic. And then Friday night follow-up afterwards, and then the two games on the Saturday. Like, we've got such good finals ahead of us. I'm really keen. I also like it from the perspective that a lot of players, if not get back from injury, you think of like Trent Cotchin, he's quite battered and bruised at the moment. He'll be able to go into the finals less battered and bruised and he'll throw his body around like nothing you've ever seen. So the quality or the intensity, at least, of the play should go up. Um, and also, as you said, the anticipation. I can't wait for Thursday. We're both going to be there. It's going to be mental. Speaking of mental, it's been Mad Monday right across the country. Yes, and at Adelaide, they have had Mad Monday, and we've got Bridge down on the scenes. Uh, what sort of spectacle has today been? What a day it's been. Matt Crouch dressed up as Collective Minds. That is, he came wearing a Richmond kit. He screamed their theme song at all the players the entire day, literally throwing his teammates under the bus. Or into it. No one really knows. Matt Crouch denies these claims, however. Interesting. Now, what was Don Pike's actions today? He always is a figure of controversy. Rumours were he was going to dress up as a Premiership Cup, but today he came into work in his usual Adelaide Crows kit, implying he instead chose to dress up as a disaster. Everyone's heard the rumours. Everyone's talking about it. What can you tell us about Mitch McGovern? Ah, uh, the talk of the town indeed. Now, there is a strong belief that the Colton Football Club... I'm not going to that fucking basket case club. I'd rather go play for Gold Coast Neafel, sorry. It's Neafel, but thank you, Mitch McGovern, for your wise words. There's some exclusive AFL by Dummies access. Well, there you go, uh, Mitch McGovern, maybe revealing his true self there. Uh, what was the feeling in the camp? Is this the team that's going to buy for the 2019 Premiership? Now, I'm just going to have to warn you that the use of the word camp in the preseason here in Adelaide is strictly forbidden and can lead to severe penalties such as signing a contract extension, drinking the tap water, being forced to not marry your sister and push-ups. Now, those are some pretty severe penalties. Uh, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, thanks for your time, Bridge, and thanks for recapping what a crazy season this has been for Adelaide. It's been a spectacle is the word, isn't it, Alex? I, I definitely agree. Jeez, um, Mitch McGovern, he was uh, it's a bit off his face, wasn't he? He was a bit rowdy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd... he's just staggering, staggering around a bit. It's, a bit. it's probably the last time he's going to be standing at the club. <laughs> Don't think he'll be getting on our show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last week, the All-Australian team squad. <laughs> last week, the All-Australian squad, and then a few days later, the All-Australian team was announced, and there was a lot of talk around it. Let's talk about some of the controversies. Let's start with some of the omissions from the squad itself. Um, for me, Stratton and Coniglio, they were crazy, because both of them were in my side. I put them in the week before, and they didn't even make the squad. Yeah, I didn't have either of them in my 22, but they were both so stiff to miss. Um, Cornelio should have made the 40-man squad and Stratton. But they both should have been absolute locks. There was a 
few strange choices. Uh, lots of Richmond players in the squad of 40, and uh, as a result, couldn't get those players in, which was crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, there were a few that I thought were a little bit lucky to be in the squad. One I thought was Lockie Neal. Um, Trent Cotchen. Trent Cotchen, another one that I thought was, yeah, agreed, a little bit lucky. Um, of the players that we had in the all Australian in our All-Australian sides that uh, didn't make the squad, um, they also included a couple of the guys that missed out um, because of games, which were Fife, McRae, Sicily, and Kelly, which I think if you've had that impactful of a season, even if it's only three quarters, then you should make the squad. You shouldn't necessarily make the team. I understand that logic, but you should at least make the squad. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, Kelly and Fife were probably, per game, the two best players this season. Tom Mitchell would be up there, maybe um, Cripps as well, but those two players were just unstoppable in the games they played this year, so they were really harsh omissions. From the actual team itself, no Dugowie. Yeah, we... This guy has been likened to Dustin Martin all year by basically everyone who's walking, except myself. <laughs> yeah, we both had him in our sides. I was surprised not to see him there. There wasn't as much of a consensus around the media as there was between us. We both really liked him, but um, they didn't. A couple of the other ones, though... I thought Dylan Grimes was really stiff. We'll talk about some of the people that were a bit lucky to make it in the side, but Dylan Grimes I thought was really rough. He's, he's an absolute gun. And for me, Devin Smith, I know you didn't have him in your side, but in, in a competition that's based around forward pressure nowadays, or in even midfield pressure, Devin Smith lays the most tackles in the competition and still managed to get 23 touches a game. How is he not in the side? Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, he definitely should have made the side and maybe should have even made my side, especially because they pick more of a best 22 rather than the best team. There's a difference, I feel. Like, for instance, Shane Edwards would be in my best 22. uh, Sorry, my best team, but not in my best 22 because he's just not a top 22 player in the league. It's just how it is. Other ones that were a bit peculiar and not necessarily choices, but Buddy Franklin as captain. As far as I know, he's done nothing terrible to suggest he wouldn't be the greatest leader in the world, but he's not in the leadership group at Sydney. And that has to be for a reason. He's trained 20 minutes all year, and you're telling me he's going to he's gonna go out there and be your captain. I'm in agreement. Shannon Hearn all the way. That was a Shannon Hearn choice. or Alex Rance. Had yeah. to be one of them. Either of them have been fine with me. Who was lucky? Let's talk about a couple of the names that were actually a bit... Bit generous, you know, to make it into the actual twenty-two. Um, my first one, Tom Stewart. Yeah, overrated. Please, people. He had one moment in the qualifying final against Richmond last year, which was incredible, and I truly, truly mean that. It's one of the best defensive highlights you will see by a player ever. But um, he's still a very good player. But Dylan Grimes and Ben Stratton. Uh, are much better 1v1 players than Tom Stewart. Sure, Tom Stewart might give a bit more, you know, runoff halfback, but, like, Dylan Grimes is going to, or Ben Strand, is going to take out the best mid to small um, attacker. It's just... They're just going to be nullified. doesn't matter how good they are. I don't know how much Ben Stratton and Dylan Grimes more could do to get put in the side. It's just ridiculously unlucky on them. Uh, Gunston. He wasn't on anywhere on my radar. I wouldn't have had him in my 40. I probably would have had him in the 40, probably not in the 20, not not in the 22. I think when I was hearing more about it, I think the argument of having him on the bench is interesting because he's flexible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a pretty strong argument to have for him. It's an important part of the modern game. He can genuinely play 
tall forward, small forward, half forward flanker on the wing or on the half back line, which is an impressive option um, list of options. But in terms of what he's actually delivered, eh, 48 goals from the season though, and he spent you know a quarter of the season playing on the half back flank. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, the numbers do speak well for him. Uh, Robbie Gray is another one for me. Just big name player, didn't have a great season, and I think he'd admit that himself. And interesting, people who we haven't put in the lucky or um, unlucky, sorry, category is uh, Ben Brown or Tom Hawkins. There's been a lot of talk that one of them should have got in as a third big tool. How many sides play with three big tools and two genuine ruckmen? Are you going to tell me that you're going to have, you could have a forward line with three big tools and Grundy or Gorn? That's just not how the modern forward line plays. You don't have four tools. I'm perfectly fine for you to pick three tools if you're not picking two ruckmen. Yeah. So I think, aside from your number one ruckman, you can have three tools, right? Yeah. And to have four tools aside from number one ruckman means you're going to have one on the bench the whole game, and even then you'll probably two, be too tall of a side. Um, so yeah, I'm in total agreement. Both Tom Hawkins and Ben Brown had fantastic seasons and have probably earned their spot, but the reality is Franklin and Rewalt were the obvious choices, and there was no way you were dropping Grundy and Gorn. Speaking of someone who was very unfortunate not to be named in the squad of 40, Scott Lysett uh, was devastated not to be in the side of 40, I heard. And we've actually got exclusive footage of him during the week speaking with the St Kilda recruiter. Here it is. Hi, Scott. We are really excited about the prospect of you playing for the Saints next year. Yeah, listen, guys, about that. I don't want to hurt you, but I've decided to play at Port Adelaide next year. You've got to be kidding me. Well, that's news to us. Why Port Adelaide, though? They didn't make finals. Yeah, well, neither did you. I think they have a fantastic side who is just approaching their Primus. Primus left years ago. Also, most of their players are going grey. Ryder and Boca are already 30. Paddy is a fantastic ruckman, who I'm sure has many years left in his career. But if he does keep playing, won't that mean that you can't? I hadn't considered that. Even when you do get to be in the ruck, you're still going to be tapping it down to three guys who are slower than BT drawing out the name of the player he chose to jerk off to this week. Yeah, but how good is Roaming Bryant? Roaming Bryant is amazing, but that is not the point. If you play for Port, you're going to have to move to Adelaide. They call it the City of Churches, but a more apt name would have been the City of Pedophilic Priests. Wouldn't you rather live in a safe, normal Melbourne where you can drink your jumbo skinny weak decaf almond milk vanilla flat white with an artificial sweetener on tap? It's literally our equivalent of water. I'm more of a black kind of guy. We had heard those rumours about you and Nick, Nat. No. No! I meant coffee. Yes, sure you did. It's okay. Once you go red, white, and black, you can't go back. Scott, you're not saying anything. I've given you the answer you deserve. Well, we should thank uh, Scott Lassett for his time there and his truly insightful words when you think about it. He really deepened my understanding of why he wants to go to Port Adelaide. Um, Why he potentially might be leaving some serious relationships at West Coast. Yeah, the decision's probably going to be tougher than we had even originally anticipated. Anyways, Carlton hasn't had the greatest year. It doesn't take a genius to say that. 
So Alex and I have decided to make a song for you all at home, totally not based off any song that's already, like, in popular culture, right? No, not at all. Enjoy. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the Carlton Blues are something quite atrocious Their attack on the ball is certainly not ferocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Because I was afraid to win when I was just a lad Me father made me vote for Carlton cause they were so bad But then one day I lost all hope to kill me aching up The biggest vlog you've ever seen Shaggy's fucking sharp, oh! Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the Carlton Blues are something quite atrocious Their attack on the ball is certainly not ferocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Your inability to say um de de um de la is so incredible. <laughs> I do not understand how you got that so wrong. Look... It's not as easy as it looks. Try it at home. Honestly, yes, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I'll accept that. But it's not as easy as it looks. In fact, I'm pretty sure if we set Carlton up to do it, they'd find a way to do worse than I did. Yeah, I I did enjoy that song. That was good fun. We spent a lot of time recording that one. We're going to move on to our discussion for this week. Now, I asked you this one a few weeks ago, and we had a a brief, interesting mini discussion about it at the time. I want to flesh it out more now. Richmond are the favourites, right? We're all agreeing to that. And West Coast, with the likelihood that they're probably going to have two home finals in a... Well, they will definitely have two home finals, whether it's a qualifying and a semi or a qualifying or prelim, we have to see. They're the obvious main threat. But outside of that, who's next? You could make a strong case for just about anyone in the rest of the eight. So I want to know, Lachlan Ross, who is your favourite from the rest? So I'm going to be the boring one, and I'm going to pick the third-place side. But not just because they're the third-place side, because, I mean, third to eighth was separated by, what, two wins, yep. if that. So it's all very even, but it's just the way that Collingwood plays. They remind me so much of Richmond. Richmond finished third last year, um, and they were kind of heating up as towards finals. Collingwood hasn't heated up as much, but they've been devastated by injury, Um think they get a few players back that they desperately need. They're still a little undermanned down back to play a West Coast side, but this side scores so freely. That's the one thing that I think is different from them to the Richmond of last year. This side scores a lot easier than Richmond did. Richmond backed in their defense last year and went from there, whereas this side backs in the fact that it can score a lot of goals, and it doesn't matter how undermanned it is down back. You're not going to score more than it, and there is an efficiency about this side that scares me like they are a genuine threat and they can't score as well as Melbourne for instance um, but I don't think they're going to crack it's something that I wouldn't thought I'd be saying this time last year but the Collingwood accuracy inside 50 of their ability to convert chances into goals or even just ball in midfield into goals is crazy this was a Collingwood side last year that was famed for their ability to win the ball in midfield and then butcher it as they attempted to go forward and this new look forward line with Hoskin Elliott, Stevenson Dugowie is smoking everything, Mason Cox looks like a completely new person, I really rate Collingwood, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with in this finals, the only reason that I'm not picking them is because the side that I am jumping on is I reckon the only side in the competition that could beat Richmond despite Richmond playing well. And that's Melbourne. Because you've been on their bandwagon <laughs> since like round negative two. 
I have been on their bandwagon since like 2014. <laughs> um, <laughs> this Melbourne side is everything's right. Like everything about it is right. They're gritty. They're determined. They've got flow of the ball. They've got style and skill in the likes of Petrarca and those kind of names. They've got good old-fashioned grunt players like Jack Vidy. They've got accumulators like Clayton Oliver. And then they've got the absolute match winner in Max Gorn. Their forward line is dangerous. It's got um, missing Jesse Hogan. And yet without it, they've got Tom McDonald and Vitamin is doing a good job. And a bunch of smalls that'll put on a hell of pressure. And then the back line's looking really solid. Sam Frost has like, turned into a really decent player over the last few weeks. And, you know, the obvious case against Melbourne, and this is really, really quite a strong weakness, is God knows how they're going to hold up. I've, I feel like there's a solid 60% chance Melbourne will get belted by Geelong on Friday. But if they don't, if this holds up and they week, win week one, oh, look out. Because this is the kind of side, you give them a little bit of confidence, their tail just gets up a little bit. They're going to be something to be feared. This is the side that, come grand final day, I wouldn't want to face. I agree with everything you're saying, but it isn't as much the fragility of this team. It's more, it'll sound similar, but this team can be rattled, absolutely rattled by a good back six and a good defensive setup, like the one that, say, Richmond would have, right? Or West Coast. I think Melbourne, as soon as... They get a lot of the ball in midfield, but I think they're a lot like Collingwood of last year. They're not particularly efficient going up forward. They're completely just possession-based. Um, I mean, we're going to bomb it in a whole bunch of times and eventually score, whereas you're not going to be able to bomb it in as much. I, I don't think their forward structure just stands up enough. And if they got it to work, God help us. That'll be a really good side. But I'm yet to see enough against good sides to tell me that they are going to consistently be able to score efficiently. What we haven't seen a lot of yet is if their midfield gets beaten. Because midfields have bad days. And if their midfield gets beaten, they're in a lot of trouble. But with the exception of Collingwood, who who beats their midfield? Because, I mean, can anyone go with Gorn? Because, I mean, look at the game on Friday night. It'll be Ryan Abbott in his third game. That was what made that tip so easy for me, is Gorney's going to destroy him. This is a guy who was built for finals, with the exception of his set shot accuracy, which is not built for finals. But everything else about him is ready to go. He's going to be an absolute machine. I totally understand what you're saying, and I agree. But I just think, if it, if it does go well, if all of the cogs sync themselves up and everything gels just at the right time... Holy shit. Like, the last two seasons, we've had premierships won by sides that kind of came from nowhere. Is yeah, Richmond were peaking at the right time, but even then, they were, what, third? Third. Finished third on the ladder, and there were a bunch of other sides around them that you thought were going to do better. Adelaide, for instance, the favourites. They, I don't think they entered into a game, a single game favourites until... Did they enter into any of the game's favourites? Uh, Richmond? Yeah. Against GWS. Okay, that was the only one. And that's only because GWS is playing away, mostly. Yeah. This is what that Melbourne team will be like. It's that side that's... They're scrappy. They're hungry. They, they want it so badly. They have so much desire to be there. Both of the Richmond side and the Bulldog side broke massive hoodoos. This is what the Melbourne side is going through. They haven't played finals in 10 years. 12. 12 years. It's just... If I was writing this story, this is how it would go. Here's the thing. You can make the exact same arguments for Collingwood. 
And the difference is for me that Collingwood is scrappier than uh, Melbourne is up forward and they travel well. And Collingwood, I think, will beat West Coast on the weekend. As good as West Coast have been all year, they've been a bit shaky towards the back end. I think Collingwood will travel really well, beat West Coast, and then you're going to have to beat them at the G, whereas Melbourne's got to go through four weeks of finals. Melbourne, even if they win this week, have to play Richmond or Hawthorne. So I think the likelihood, this is where it's going to get really interesting, right? Because I wouldn't be surprised if the second prelim, if if it goes as you say it will, the second prelim will be between our two sides, right? Because if Richmond beat Hawthorne, then Melbourne beat Geelong. So then Melbourne will play Hawthorne. If Collingwood were to beat West Coast, then the second prelim would be Collingwood-Melbourne if Melbourne were to beat Hawthorne. And this is where I'm just going to foreshadow it because it's about to get really ironic. But I have got that happening in my racket and I've got Melbourne beating Collingwood. (laughs) (laughs) So, So out of all of this... Your argument is still that Melbourne's still the biggest threat? My argument is you took Melbourne before I could take Melbourne, so I had to go with the next best alternative. But I could make a case that, let's say, if you had to choose Melbourne or Richmond, oh, sorry, Melbourne or Collingwood to play Richmond in that qualifying, no, prelim, sorry, I would pick Collingwood to come out on top. Yeah, I I understand that. And that's the thing, is that the chances of Melbourne making it to week three are not high. But if they do make it to week three, look out. Yeah. Look out. Um, one final thing I'll say against Collingwood, which I'll give you a brief chance to rebut, and it's obvious, but it needs to be said, uh, the, the, the injury list is massive. What injury list? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so many what could be argued as at least first-team players that probably aren't going to play um, on the weekend. Trelaw, Moore, Reed, Howe, maybe. Sharonberg, No. I don't. I don't actually know which one of them. It's, which one of them? It's all play. about the structure and the and the setup and the team morale, and that doesn't go with injuries, does it, Alex? No, and it that doesn't. Hasn't I, stopped Collingwood all year. I'm not saying they'll be terrible or anything, but when prelim final day or grand final day or whatever, you're gonna really wish you had Adam Trelaw around. Imagine Collingwood Melbourne grand final and Jeremy Howe is takes mark of the year. <laughs> You could you could almost bank on that for one thing throughout this final series is Jeremy Howe will take a screamer. He hasn't taken one this year. He's, he's absolutely due. And he hasn't... I don't think he's ever played a final before, has he? No, nah, first final. Yeah, I reckon he's due. That's that's what your number one lock-in for this final series, Jeremy Howe to take a screamer. That should have been our prediction last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead I locked that um, Shannon Hearn would be the All-Australian captain and that was, that was, that was wrong. That was wrong. Well, I, I said Ticket Tech would stuff up again and get dumped as the ticketing hey, administration. And who knows? We might get a little bit more Ticket Tech coming up soon in your world-famous segment, Punching Down. This is Punching Down. Ticket Tech. Punching Down is not available at this time. Please check back later. Have a nice day. AFL, don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of the buy round, but do something to make the wait for finals more endurable. At the moment, all we have is the EJ Wooden's game. And what a thrilling game that was. I mean, there's nothing more I love watching than 50-year-old men going out there and slugging it out for a couple of hours. If I wanted to see old men in short shorts who hoped to score that night, I'd go to a gentleman's strip club. Of course, the AFL Match Report said, and I quote, as if it couldn't get any better. 
Well, here's three ways it could get better. One, if the event wasn't televised. <laughs> Two, if the players who were retired stayed retired. <laughs> Three, if the AFL had more events on the weekend, like the Brownlow, so that the weekend was better. That was punching down. Enjoyed that. Another strong week from you. I'll be curious to see what you'll have next week, coming uh, post-finals week one. It'll be interesting. Well, I'll have two teams who have been eliminated. Ooh. And so two they... sides that are also on the cusp of being eliminated as well. Yeah, so if you don't perform this week, I'm after you. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what they'll fear of all things. Yeah. Not like Matthew Lloyd's analysis or anything, but you. You will, you will be the thing they fear. And now we go back to Bridge, who has our award-winning journalist. And by award-winning, I mean he boundary umpired on the weekend at the EJ Winnens game. Who's got all the scoops for us? Bridge, what have you got? Exclusive news for AFL by Dummies this week. My predecessor, Tom Creaser, strolled into the AFL headquarters and requested a new team be added to the league. His major selling point, being the name, was to call on the All-Australian Falcons, featuring all the players who have received balls to the face this year. <laughs> In exclusive grand final news, it's been seven years since the beloved Meatloaf performed their 12-and-a-half-minute medley of ear-splitting diarrhoea. The AFL has made the bold decision to return to the food-based band scene in an effort to scramble together another music group. Taking musicians from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Spice Girls and Food Fighters, they aspire to call them the Red Hot Spice Fighters. Let's hope that doesn't hurt in the morning. <laughs> Thanks for those scoops, Bridge. Really enjoyed them. I'm feeling like that was a that was almost like a something a bit different. I'm feeling a bit like chili flavored. Yeah, Spice Chili Fighters. That something, was the ice cream like flavour I'm going with. The closest you'd get to like an actual ice cream flavour is like pistachio, I reckon. Is there a sweet chilli? Sweet chilli and sour cream? Yeah. Oh, I'd be so down for that. Ice cube, get on it, please. <laughs> you've, got, you've got links in both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's time for our extended tips. They're like I, tips, but extended. The first game on Thursday night is Richmond v Hawthorne. We're going to be at the game, but we're not going to be together, so this is going to be the best game I've been to all year. What's your first thoughts on this game, Alex? Uh, Where's this game going to be won? I'm pretty sure the game will be won at the MCG, permitting any kind of last-second ground venue switches. I mean... Potentially, maybe at Etihad Stadium, but I'm I'm pretty sure it'll be the MCG. In terms but of get the actual... I asked, you know, we're just Richmond's going to win that game. We, we should just move on. That was just in terms of the actual match. However, I think it's going to be a very interesting battle between the midfields. Um, that's that's where it's going to get very intense. The likes of Prestia, Cochin, Martin, and how they run through Jack Graham will probably play an important role as well. Versus Tom Mitchell and Co. Um, and <laughs> the rest of them aren't really worthy of a mention. I, I think that's how much control Hawthorne can get coming out of there will be very important. The other factor, I think, will be the ability of Richmond's forward line to impact the Hawthorne defence because they're a side that likes to control the ball, Hawthorne. They like getting the ball on the halfback line to the likes of uh, Sicily we talked about, Stratton, these guys who mark really well and then counter-attacking by using the ball well. If that ball comes to ground, and Richmond will quite often kick the ball deliberately so that it doesn't go to players, so that the ball hits the ground, it'll make it so much easier for the likes of Castagna, um, Butler, whoever plays, Higgins, to put immediate pressure on these Hawthorne defenders and eliminate their ability to cleanly move the ball out of defence. This game for me is going to be decided about whose game style dominates the game. You're going to look at Hawthorne. Funny that. No, but like, yes, I know you say that. Yeah. But 
like particularly in this game more than most because you're, you're going to look at two very different teams. Hawthorne love to, you know, just slowly kick the ball through your defense and then wind up and go into attack and slowly move their way up the ground, whereas Richmond just basically forces the ball up the ground with a long thread of uh, forward handballs, preferably, or just kicking and moving the ball really fast, whereas Hawthorne likes to control, likes to keep everything, you know, in control, essentially, limit the running power of Richmond. And so whoever's game type dominates the game, I think will win the game. Whoever plays the game on their terms, there you are. I'm going to rescue you from yourself and say, who do you think is going to win the game, Chuck? I have to go with Richmond, but Hawthorne is a very interesting matchup. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for us to play a team like that. And Alistair Clarkson's a genius, so I think he'll make... I'll say this, Richmond's talent is a lot better than Hawthorne's talent, but Alistair Clarkson will make a game out of this. I'm tipping Richmond because I have faith in Richmond's system, and I think they're a fantastic side. But Alistair Clarkson is something else. He's the kind of guy that throws a spanner in the works and you get big old explosions. This could be something very interesting. Just, I'm tipping Richmond, but a solid keep your eye on it out of 10, I reckon, this one. Um, Melbourne, Geelong, Friday night. This is massive. Will it be the beginning of the Melbourne juggernaut, or will it come screeching to a halt? Calm down. They finished fifth. Yeah, it will, will it, hey, either way, will it come screeching to a halt in the same way it did the last two times these sides played each other, with Max Gorn missing just before the end of the siren and Zach Tui kicking the goal after the end of the siren? Are we going to have another nail-biter here? No, because there's only two ways this game goes. Melbourne beats Geelong comfortably, or Geelong beats Melbourne comfortably. There is, I don't think there is a close result in this. Um, I mean, last time they played, it shouldn't have been a close game. Melbourne was up by a truckload at three-quarter time and let Geelong kick eight last-quarter goals. Uh, Tom Hawkins was immense in that best quarter. Best quarter of football Tom Hawkins has ever played, so Melbourne will have to shut him down. Um, that will be big for them, but Tom Hawkins isn't the same player he was, I think it was seven weeks ago. So that will be a big plus for Melbourne there. I j- this game is going to be won in the first half-quarter. If Melbourne is within a goal or in front, they win the game. If Geelong's up by a goal or more, they probably go on and win the game because I think Melbourne will just be... That will be the most fragile you'll see Melbourne the entire final series probably in that first 15 minutes. And if you can break them, and if any midfield's going to break them, it's going to be Dangerfield, Selwood and um, Gary Ablett. If they break them, then Melbourne's season comes crashing down, but I don't think that will happen. Melbourne to win comfortably. I'm in complete agreement. Oh, come on. It'd be great if you tipped Trelong um, <laughs> after all the nice things you've said about Melbourne. You've you've argued for why Melbourne will win. I'll present a case as to why if... Because I agree. I think the probable situation is to Melbourne will win comfortably, but I do also agree that if Trelong win, I don't think it'll be particularly close. I think it'll be a runaway. If that midfield gets on top for Geelong, that'll be very influential. But it's also the defence. What I think could very easily go wrong for Melbourne if they get too energetic early and too passionate and just start spraying balls around like you were talking about earlier. Geelong are really good and the likes of Tom Stewart, Blitzas, Henderson, Taylor are just picking off marks. It'll be really easy for them to just take marks and rebound, counter-attack, and go kick goals at the other end. We saw them do it against Richmond really well. This is a side that's built for that. If Melbourne don't get their accuracy entering inside 50 on top of its game, it, it might not go well for them. 
That's what I'll say. But I will also be tipping Melbourne. I'll say this. The first game, Richmond v Hawthorne, is just a flat-out going to be an amazing game. This is an intriguing game. I think that's the word I would use for it. Definitely worth a watch, though, because you're going to learn a lot about both teams very quickly. Uh, Sydney v GWS, Battle of the Bridge. Second time they're facing finals. The first time they face in finals, I remember watching that game and thinking this is the highest-intensity game I've ever seen, and it's still that to this day. Both teams just wanted to knock each other out. It was great to watch. Is it going to be the same thing again? Is GWS going to win or is it going to be Sydney this time? So let's start with injury news, shall we? Because that's, I feel like, the main talking point of this game is, firstly, will Buddy and Parker play? Because that'll play a massive role in whether or not Buddy in particular. The news at this moment seems like it's likely that they will both play, but I mean, they did both pull out in the last game of the season um, in the last few hours before the match. Um, For GWS, there's all kinds of rumours about who's going to play Green, maybe, Williams. Zach Williams. Zach Williams, who hasn't played a game all season, but had 30-something in the NEFL. 37 and 30 in his last two games in the NEFL. He's a excellent... Or (laughs) He's an excellent addition um, to the GWS halfback line, a running machine. He's a a gun player. He's exactly what they need with Heath Shaw going down. So I think they'll have to play him. They have so many injuries, GWS. If you'd asked me this a month ago, I'd have tipped them comfortably. And my opinion has gone from comfortably to slightly. Um, I, st- I still think they're the better side. Their midfield is phenomenal. I still, even though I don't particularly rate Dylan Shield, the likes of Caniglio, Scully, um, Hopper, they've got amazing depth in there. There are some really good players. Yeah, you just forgot about Ward. Uh, Josh Kelly and, and Ward Kelly. as well. Josh Kelly's, Probably their Josh two Kelly's best midfielders I could make a claim for. No, Caniglio's better than Ward. Kelly's one of the best players Ke- in Kelly's, the competition. Kelly's, Kelly's one of the best players in the competition. I'll cop that one. Their midfield is, is crazy. If Rory Lobb has a good game, this game could be over quite quickly. Yep. I'm just going to repeat what you've already said. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, GWS to win. but I You think, think GWS? Ah, you said you were going to go with them slightly. Yeah, no, I think GWS, but I, I thought you were tipping Sydney. No. GWS is my tip for this game. Ooh. Make a case for Sydney, though. Ah, uh, buddy. <laughs> case made. <laughs> I mean, he breaks open games uh, like nobody in the competition at the moment. Uh, biggest game winner, biggest stage. It, buddy steps up. That's one thing that's going to happen. Uh, Phil Davis normally does a great job on him, um, but as we saw last time, as soon as Phil Davis is off the ground, Buddy has a goal spree. And if even if Phil Davis goes to the bench sort of thing, like watch out because GWS have got no answer for Buddy if Phil Davis isn't on the field. Yeah, I was watching Access All Areas and they were arguing what the um, the line is for how many goals Buddy will kick this week and how influential that is in the game. I reckon it's probably about four goals. If he kicks more than four, you could probably pencil Sydney in and if he kicks less than four, you could probably pencil GWS in. That's the best case I can make for Sydney at the moment, which says a lot about their team. Um, They're very reliant on Buddy at the moment and probably is why they're sixth on the ladder rather than top four, which is what they would have aimed for at the start of the season. Now, the last game of the round, West Coast, Collingwood. Man, this is going to be a great clash. I'm genuinely excited for this game um, because I can't pick who's going to win this game. I've got a fair idea about most of the other games. Uh, I'm clueless on this one. There's just too many variables that could happen in the game. I think this will end up being the only one that we actually tip differently because I am going West Coast. I don't think Collingwood can handle their forward line. I'm just going to put it that simply. A full-strength Collingwood back line, maybe, but 
the Collingwood forward uh, backline that we're going to see with the likes of Mag- Magden. Langdon and Maynard and Magden, yeah. Magden, Langdon, Maynard, these guys. Probably Howe will come back. Um, versus Kennedy and Darling. If anybody watched the Brisbane game, Darling looked like he was cruising. Um, he's going to have an absolute field day. Wait, do you remember when Buddy played on Magden and absolutely tore him apart? This is the caliber of player that Kennedy and Darling are. On form for Darling and Kennedy's two, three-time common medalist. He's a, he's a star. We know that. Coming um, back from injury. It's never hampered him in the past. There are a few injury worries for both sides, and I do not think um, West Coast side is perfect. They're a bit more reliant on McGovern in defense and the midfields. Yeah. But their forward line will will obliterate Collingwood's defense. I'm, I'm very confident West Coast will clear 100 in this game. Watch them kick 15 goals. Well, I think both teams will clear 100. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be one of the better finals of the entire series, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I can see why West Coast could beat um, Collingwood. They're a very good antidote side, but it goes both ways, I think, and I think Collingwood is just going to score at will. Um, and I think their midfield's a little bit better than West Coast now. Um, Shuey hasn't had a great a year as he normally does and gaffs out, so... There's our different tip for the week. Um, just whilst we're at it, we may as well throw out our bracket just so you all can laugh at us when we get our tips wrong and it goes wildly incorrect. So my bracket is obviously the tips I've already put in this week. Then next week, Melbourne to beat Hawthorne and West Coast to beat GWS. I also have Melbourne to beat Hawthorne. I have Collingwood playing GWS because I tip West Coast and I have Collingwood to beat GWS. So we will have the same final four teams. Mm-hmm. So Hawthorne is going out in straight sets and Melbourne takes their place, essentially. So I have Richmond-West Coast in a final in which Richmond wins because it's at the MCG and then Collingwood-Melbourne in what will be just an awesome game, but I've got Melbourne for that. Which flies in complete contradiction of all the arguments you said earlier. Collingwood is more likely to beat Richmond than Melbourne is to beat Richmond, but Melbourne will beat Collingwood. I didn't follow that. Did did anybody else follow that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have Richmond playing Collingwood, which will be an absolute powerhouse of a game if it happens. Um, it'll be truly incredible. Just watch the Collingwood fans get up for that. Um, I think Richmond will be too strong in that game. Um, I have Melbourne travelling back over to Perth to play West Coast in a rematch of the game a few weeks ago. In If that is for a spot in the grand final, that could be the greatest game of all time. And I don't say that lightly. The tension in that game, because West Coast is the best place to travel to. They're crazy. Like, their fans are just awful yeah um, and then melbourne for a spot in the grand final very be poetic because s- they had to beat west coast over there for a spot in finals it would be incredible i would have melbourne winning that game and then we have the same grand final we do richmond melbourne and we have different victors yeah because i've got richmond and you've got melbourne to win the grand final of course <laughs> you, you heard have. it you heard it here first folks melbourne will win the grand final actually i looked up afl news like today and someone said melbourne was going to win the grand final yeah, so we didn't really hear it you heard first. it here second folks <laughs> robert wall said it first and i said it second melbourne will win the grand final and when you look on like the list it's like robert walls or oh, alex is right up there yeah. with him it's not like a complete drop in like Award- credibility award-winning journalist alex henry to be fair it's not hard to have better predictions than robert walls most of his go downhill very quickly ouch got that robert walls anyways that was the episode i hope you all enjoyed it it was obviously a little different to normal hopefully we'll be a little bit back to um what we normally do next week with four games on the weekend and 
every week from there on in. But let us know what you thought of all our little skits, I'm going to call them. Um, we had lots of fun doing them. Um, always fun to get your creative side out, unlike... Unlike um, what? Go uh, on. Where's the end of that sentence going? Uh, I was going to go with St Kilda. <laughs> yeah, fair. I'll cop that. St Kilda's atrocious. <laughs> yeah, because Carlton has got enough stick this episode, and so has Adelaide as a city. The only player that St Kilda has had playing well over the last month of football, Jack Lodi, is apparently not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's not leaving. You guys are letting him go. I know. We don't want him. That's unbelievable. I oh, know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, and Twitter. From myself, Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. Have a nice day, everyone. Good night. Good job. Let's <laughs> <Nice> job. <laughs> <laughs>